Hello, you are listening to Audio Fanfic Podcast. Life Series, Part 2, by Tattooed Laura on AO3. Rating, General Audiences. Chapter 27, Possibilities. Sunday dinner went smoothly as expected. Byers had the flu and had to cancel, meaning Frohickey and Langley were untethered to reality and manners. But given Jake latched onto them in a big way, and they adored Maggie more than their own mothers, they were on their best behavior, teaching the youngling the ways of the nerd. All three were ecstatic. Scully left them to their own devices in the front room, listening from the kitchen for small explosions and possible manacle laughter. The rest of the afternoon drawing on the sidewalk and driveway, neon chalk against dark asphalt, a budding artist's dream come true. Mulder quiet as he concocted slightly pathetic, looking stick cats and lopsided flowers. Scully floating through the atmosphere, an oddly precarious bundle of nerves. Couldn't focus on much of anything, but not slicing the tips of her fingers off during cucumber mutilation hour. Maggie, noticing the far-off look in her daughter's eyes, took the knife away quietly and handed it to Joanna, settling Scully to rolling meatballs instead. Dana? Oh, her mother wasn't as blind as she had hoped. Not now, Ma, okay? Honey? Saved by crashing from the front room. God knew when to assist and when not to. She should really attend more Sunday services. For the first time in a long time, there were too many people, too much noise, too little space for fresh air and deep breaths. It set her on edge, her mind craving the cocoon of Mulder and Scully, her body following with wishes of its own, a deep leather couch, a burbling fish tank, the glow of a TV set to 3 a.m. infomercial. Mulder would have to talk to Skinner some other time. She needed out, and she needed out now. After dinner, she pulled the plug. Would you mind if we left? Mulder, gearing up for a Skinner talk, looked down at her questioningly whispering. But I thought we were going to talk to Skinner. Her chest tightening, her mind beginning to shake. Can we do it tomorrow or something? Please, Mulder, I just... He knew even before she began trailing off, her body language obvious to anyone paying even a modicum of attention. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Maggie is good with us being gone for the night. Yeah, she's been alone a few nights already. We'll come get our stuff later. Honestly, It suddenly felt like she was nanoseconds away from sobbing tears. I'm sorry. Shut it and go hug people. I'm giving us three minutes to get out of here before I drag you out by your stocking feet. With a quick forehead to his chest, she nodded. See you back here in three. Making the round, she hugged everyone, including the newbies in the form of Langley, Frohickey, and even Skinner. Not lingering as with the rest of the family, but still giving them their hugging dues. Maggie gave her one questioning look, then nodded, telling her that she'd be fine. She would call Charlie or one of the girls if she needed anything. Sooner than later, they were in the jeep, heading, at Scully's insistence, towards Mulder's. Because, your fish needs sustenance, and I need your Gumby shirt. Scully, don't argue with Gumby. The apartment air was slightly stale, the dust motes a little more prominent than usual, The light diffused, giving the gathering clouds outside, the atmosphere building up for another night of storms. Inhaling slowly, her lungs relishing their first truly deep breath in what felt like eternity, 
She felt Mulder scoot around her, but shut her eyes, disguised by his movements. And she didn't open them to see where he was going. Knowing he couldn't escape the 900-square-foot apartment without passing by her, a slow exhale later, she heard him approach, his hands gripping the hem of her shirt, pulling it unsteadily over her head, hair flying, necklace catching, clasp pulling, bra unhooking, Gumby slipping, Mulder tugging her request into place. What's next? Pants. With a very quiet, I know you so damn well, her pants unhooked with the assistance of callous fingers and some not-so-fancy footwork, led her to be enrobed in brown, two washes away from falling apart t-shirt and green sweatpants, drawstring tied around narrow waist. Reaching up to gently maneuver his face into her line of sight, she commanded him with a whisper, Wait right here. Disappearing into the bedroom, she reappeared with the items that screamed comfort, then proceeded to mirror his previous actions. His shirt, sweats, bare feet, in place in two minutes flat. Hand in hand, not a moment too soon. Mulder couldn't have loved her, more if he tried. Unraveling fast. Sitting him down on the couch, she climbed in his lap, straddling hips, hugging pelvis, as she nestled herself quite well into his chest the apartment darking measurably in a few moments' time. The storm began to knock across the sky. I just want to listen. And they fell asleep, his heart a steady thump in her ear, his hands clasped around her back, feet on the table, and problem checked at the door. Skinner would just have to wait a little while longer. He hated to have to move. Given the choice, he'd have remained beneath her until the end of time, but blood flow dictated otherwise his legs up too, and including his ass. So far asleep he was worried he may have to pee and never feel it. Dislodging her, however, had become relatively easy over the years. Arm wrap, light squeeze, roll, cradle, shift, and settle. It was a highly technical series of moves at the beginning, but he had, with a disturbing amount of pride, mastered it early in their time together. By the eighth or ninth case, having broken it down to six simple moves— He'd never woken her up. Enduring pins and needles for longer than he really deemed necessary, feeling returned to his organs and glad he wasn't about to soak his pajamas, he moved to the kitchen for some water and possibly an extremely stale cookie. And he called Skinner, sparing Scully the conversation, letting his boss know that his job description needed a slight rewrite and it would be happening immediately, in no uncertain terms. Skinner, still sitting on Maggie's sofa, had been hoping for this call for several years now, having seen Mulder disappear over and over again, often wondering himself if one day Mulder would just cease to exist as the world knew him, turning into the men he chased, leaving Scully behind. Hanging up, he turned to Maggie, who'd been not listening in curiosity. Has he proposed to her yet? Maggie, wondering just how much she should reveal, chose the truth. Yes. They have no idea when anything will come of it, but he's asked, she's accepted, and I'm perfectly happy with whatever happens. Turning that motherly stare on him, is that going to be a problem? For some absurd reason, Skinner settled his head back in the cushions, grinning towards the ceiling. As long as I keep getting invited to Sunday dinners, I won't say a word. And his hand crept into hers, an episode of M.A.S.H., playing out before them. Chapter 28. A Little Thing With You. 
She had no idea what jolted her awake, but her body jerked, blood rushing and eyes opening, realizing she was now horizontal on a soft pillow. Pillow beneath her head, blanket over her back, and Mulder staring at her from the floor. He was lying in the space between coffee table and couch, wedged but relaxed, another pillow halved under his chin, book open in front of him, camping lantern giving just enough light to make out the tiny print. Thunder wake you up? Not about to move, warm and cozy in her napping spot. She blinked a few times, doing her best to bring him into focus and failing miserably. Not sure. Probably. I have no idea. Twisting his head a little further, he gave her a smile. Why don't you go back to sleep? She opted to fight the Sandman a little longer. Why are you on the floor? You have a bed 20 steps from here. 20 steps are too far from you sometimes. The things he declared in the darkness of unknown hours made her heart quake at times, and this was a prime example. The edge of her mouth twitched upwards, her gaze dropping to his mouth for a moment before jumping to his eyes. You could have woken me up and made me go to bed. Nah, afraid you might bite me or something if I disturb you. His grin grew a little. Although... Biting while awake could be fun. She nearly moved to swat his back, but relaxed muscles nixed that idea. What are you reading? Shifting some, he got his elbows in a position so he could rise enough to flip the book over. Show her the cover. Silence of the Lambs. With a quick judgment of the dog-eared pages and the crumbling cover. Not your first time? No. No, 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 no. I have read this thing over and over again. It's my go-to for easy reading. Our line of work, and that's your easy reading? There's just something about how he turns a phrase, flipping to the last page. Listen to this. But the face on the pillow, rosy in the firelight, is certainly that of Clarice Starling, and she sleeps deeply, sweetly, in the silence of the lambs, looking up at her. He writes violence, terror, and fear on a molecular level, then wraps it up tight in the quietest of moments with a peacefulness that makes you think that the horror is over and the world sleeps on with a smile. You do that for me. You take my nightmare, and in the most unopposing, most gentle way possible, you wrap me up and let me sleep. Scooting closer, he kissed the tip of her nose. I'm keeping you. Tilting her head, she slipped a hand around his neck, pulling his mouth up to meet hers, kissing him with an all-out possession that made him breathe deep when she finally let go. I'm keeping you, too. As he turned to his back, settling on the pillow, one hand behind his head, staring up at her peeking over the couch cushion. I think we should take tomorrow off. Settling her now-free hand on his chest, She bunched his loose t-shirt material with her fingers. I'm in complete agreement. Can we make it a no-real-pants day? Of course. Things went quiet again, rain smacking the window in a white noise pattern that made her eyes heavier than lead. Fighting to keep them open, she walked her fingers up to his mouth, weaving her hand over his scratchy chin. Thunderstorms all day tomorrow. Keeping those fingers one by one, He lingered on the last. 
We'll keep the blinds closed and the door locked and the phones off. How will we order Wong's tacos and happy sushi? Okay, we'll turn the phone on for that, but nothing else. Slowly, 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 she slithered off the edge of the cushions, dropping neatly into the crevice between molder and couch, head settling on shoulder. Sounds perfect. She persuaded him to bed around 4 a.m. After a quick trip to the bathroom with a detour to the bedroom to pull down the sheets, returning to her lightly snoring partner. Mulder, come on. Let's go to bed. A real bed. One that's not a twin and not with a near shot of mom. Stroking a finger down his arm, playing momentarily with the protruding bone of his wrist. Your feet won't hang off the end. Key words penetrated, Mulder wiggling his way to semi-vertical. I'm not opening my eyes. Would never have expected it. Up beside her and swaying like a drunk. Bed only, no antics. Bed only, no antics. Once there, naked, sated by the antics that weren't supposed to happen, she couldn't fall back asleep, her mind noiseless for a moment, content to listen to him breathe, small puffs of warm air wafting over her bare back, reminding her that he was alive, well, and here with her. It didn't take long. It never took long. The demons came knocking, in the form of blood in the back of her throat. The demons came knocking, making her crawl from their nest, steal to the bathroom, avoid the fear she saw in her eyes. Head down, reflection, nothing more than bent neck and parted hair. The demons came knocking, for the fourth time. Hey, Mulder. Calling from the kitchen, Mid-Sushi's second helping retrieval. Yeah. Are you seriously planning on making me watch not one, not two, but three sequels to Tremors? He managed to balance two plates and a jug of iced tea, sitting down beside her, wiggling back into the throw blankets comfortably. Yes. Yes, I am. Tugging the afghan over her bare legs, after Mulder's unceremonious dislodging. Do I have permission to fall asleep after the first one? Whatever. Great cinematic spectacles are completely lost on you. You know that. I'm wearing a tank top and underwear on your couch at 11.15 a.m., eating sushi you had to bribe the owner to make for us, given he's not even open yet. And then you had to overtip him, the gross national product of a small country to get him to deliver. We are our own great cinematic spectacle. But believe me when I say giving him a bashfully beautiful gaze over her Tyson. I could easily get lost on you. Chopsticks full of slipping pita roll, he stopped mid-move, replaced his food, silently took Scully's from her lap. Then, once the food was at a minimum safe distance, he attacked her, kamikaze style, diving onto her, covering her, devouring neck-to-navel tank top launched with unwholesome glee. He did, however, stop after a minute, looking up from his perch between her legs, underwear still in place, lips loosely nibbling one of her numerous scars. I can still hear your belly growling. Suddenly, not giving a flying rip about food, she blinked back a hopeful hidden tear, then tugged him forward by the ears until his mouth was over hers, an inch from contact. I don't need food right now. Noticing the fast, telltale eye flutter, he remained hovering. You okay? Shit. Yes. 
I just think you need to shut up for a minute and kiss me. He pushed himself away from her, hands sinking into the cushions, bare knees sticking to the leather. What happened? Mulder, come on. No. What happened? Fuck. There goes the idea of a nice, relaxing day. Scrambling up as best she could, she pulled a blanket up around her shoulders, suddenly embarrassed by the light of day and intensity of stare. Can we just eat, please? Face serious as a heart attack, with probing eyes to match. No, we can't. Irritation replaced embarrassment. My nose started bleeding again last night, after you fell asleep. That's it, all right. It's my business, and I wish you'd stop pushing me about things that aren't your concern. Standing, he found his pants, shoved his feet in shoes, and left, door slamming shut behind him, echoing through the silence of Scully, realizing she was a complete and total no-holds-barred fucking bitch. Scrambling up, she didn't waste seconds finding her clothes, instead pulling blanket tight as she ran to the door. Pulling it open, she ran headlong into Mulder, who was standing, facing her, immovable object filling all available space. Crushing nose, mouth, chin into his chest, she bounced backwards a step, quite oof the only sound between them. Noting that he didn't continue his storming off, but didn't re-enter the apartment either, she closed the gap once again, this time careful of spacing until she could rest her forehead against him, her whispered I'm sorry, reaching necessary auditory senses. Unmoving save his head, which he lowered enough to rest against hers, tip of nose against slope of scalp, lips and hair. You are my pain in the ass. What chuckle vibrated her shoulders. It didn't scare me too much last night, but then you were there, and I was there, and we were normal and happy, and... The sentence lost steam, the words too close to home, gear switching. I love you more than everything in the world, Mulder, and sometimes it's big and perfect, and in that second, something that isn't bad at all becomes the biggest terror in the world. You are my concern, and I am yours, and I need to tell you my things, all my things, every time. Arms sliding around her shoulders. All your things, every time. I'm sorry. They stood half-naked in his apartment door for another minute, before they both heard the elevator ding, and Mulder smoothly backed them up, shutting the door behind them, talking once again, this time a small smile on his voice. The neighbors probably don't need to witness our things when they walk by. We have things, some of my favorite things. Pulling her head back, she stayed well within the circle of his arms. Why didn't you leave the doorway? You should have been at the elevator by the time I got there. I couldn't. Steel determination met her gaze. I don't leave anymore. I won't leave anymore. I can't leave anymore. We have a thing, and it's a forever thing. And regardless of how crazy you make me, I'm not going anywhere. I just need the space for a second, and the door was as far as I planned on going, or plan on going, ever again. She let the blanket drop, working his shirt over his head with her warm hands. Sushi can wait a while, right? Probably an hour or so. Pushing his pants down next. That's good, because I kind of want to do a thing with you. What kind of thing? A Mulder and Scully kind of thing. 
Will it include stuff? Tilting her head, grin moving her lips upward, glint in her eye, argument long forgotten. Always you with the stuff. I like stuff. As she took his hand to lead him towards the bedroom. Then, stuff there will be. I love our thing. Me too, Mulder. Me too. Fourth time truth could wait. Chapter 29. Humming and Thrumming. 1 p.m. came with the rubbing of Scully's bare foot over his. Cool toes, inching in repetition, across sensitive skin. Veins and tendons, fuzzy socks and callous pads. Answering back, his own feet shifty enough to catch her mid-slide. You are dangerously close to ticklish spots. A hair above sound sleep. She hadn't realized she was doing it, but once he pointed it out, she moved against him a few more times. Humming into his chest. Wondering if she ever had to open her eyes again. You awake in there? Trying not to be. Legs shifting to wiggle between her knees, he rolled to his side, pulling her close, inhaling a stray hair or two in the process. Nonchalant hand palming her ass. You should go back to sleep then. Pressing herself into his thigh, enjoying the pressure on sensitive parts. I'm waking up and thinking we should probably go eat our food. Final grope, then he kissed her temple before rolling away from her and off the bed, hand held out. Come on, we also have tremors to watch. I was really hoping you'd forget about those. Yanking her upright, he grinned, not allowing her any time to grab discarded clothing. Please, like my brain would forget B-movie grandeur, I don't think you really know me at all. Scully smacked his hip as she sauntered by. I know your parts well enough. He really needed her naked in his apartment, all the damn time. The first tremors was actually enjoyable by her standards, but after making it painfully through the second, she stopped him. Mulder, tall one, iced tea to my root beer. I cannot willingly allow you to make me sit through a third one of those. You are handsome and strong and completely delectable, and I do not want to be forced to kill you with a chopstick. Glancing out of the corner of his eye at her, sparkling in amusement at the conversation he knew he was about to initiate. Just out of curiosity, what would be the fastest way to kill me via chopstick? That conversation meandered for nearly two hours, tactical, homicidal discussion, leading them through motive, proper strategy, angle, geometry, Euclid, Einstein, German, sauerkraut, Dolph Lundgren, Rocky IV, Survivor, Journey, Concerts, Music, Singing, Three Dog Night, and finally, The Question. The Huge Question. Did you love me already when you sang to me in the woods? Scully, by now lying on her back, once again tank-topped and underweared because, as she put it, I am not about to lay here sticking to your couch, regardless of how much you beg. Pink toes poking Mulder's belly button gave him an appreciative look as she chose her words. I don't think I knew I loved you like I do. I loved you, but I talked myself into thinking it was because you were my best friend at that point. Best friends love each other. But I really should have dwelled just a little longer on the fact that I began having some fairly racy dreams about you once we got back from that little frolic in the woods. 
Do tell. Another time, partner. Another time. Extracting herself, she stood, stretching, back curving, joints popping, until she groaned. A sigh, limbs liquefying for a moment. Maybe after I shower, and after you get Billy to bring us our fajitas orders with extra guac and double rice, and after we finish Titanic, I could probably be persuaded to share my racy dreams. Scully. About to turn on her heels, she settled her hands on her hips. Yes, Agent Mulder. I fell in love with you the minute I woke up in Alaska, and you were sitting there, and the smile on your face made my insides squish. Swear to your God, and I've been hooked ever since. I made your insides squish? You always make my insides squish. Aw. Moving towards him, she pushed up on her toes, wrapping her arms tightly around his neck. If I gave you every red M&M in the world, it still wouldn't come close to how much I love you and your squishy insides. I should call Billy, shouldn't I? Very quickly. Letting him go. I'll be out of the shower in six minutes. And she disappeared down the hall, naked feet squeaking ever so lightly on the hardwood floor. 1.17 a.m., and all is well. The left lump under the blankets presumably Scully, her red hair free-flowing across the pillow, arm trailing towards the center of the bed. The right lump, definitely Mulder, longer in stature, drawn from one corner of the bed to the other, foot hanging free, cooling outside their cocoon. Both sleeping peacefully, gently, minds in temporary stasis, humming, hearts in permanent tangle, thrumming. He loves his Scully, and she loves her Mulder. And the world is quiet. If you like this story and would like to contribute, you can do so by going to our Patreon page at www.patreon.com forward slash audio fanfic pod. As a patron, you are granted early access to one new story of your choosing per month. Thank you for listening. And remember... The stories are out there.